Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. I am Stu Hardy, joined, as always, by Derek Brissett. We apologise that last week we were unable to record, but, you know, that just means there's more rugby for us to talk about this week. So, Derek, how has your week been? Oh, it's been good. Um... Yeah, it didn't really do much. Um, yeah, COVID's apparently still a thing. Um, a lot of people at my work learned that this week. Um, so yeah, uh, didn't record last week because I quite frankly could not. Um, uh, hopefully I can string together more than two sentences during this podcast without coughing. So um, that's what I'm kind of hoping for. Um, so basically it just meant that uh, I spent my entire week basically uh, just uh, watching movies and uh, sorting through comic books. Um, Stu, I'm assuming you did something a little bit more exciting than that. Hopefully, I mean, I hope, I mean please, yeah. please. I hope <laughs> other people are living while I'm stuck in my apartment. Yeah, I've been uh, fortunately able enough to go outside, enjoy uh, the end of summer while I still can. Yeah. Um, you know, the Formula One season has resumed after its summer break. So I was watching the uh, Belgian Grand Prix. I was mm. um, exploring more of Toronto, specifically its uh, unique breweries along the way. Oh, so, where did you go? Yeah. Oh, where didn't I go? Uh-huh. Um, I got to recommend if anyone can make it is a High Park Brewery, which surprisingly is not near High Park. It's, near- <laughs> it's really not. No. It's really not, but it is really worth going if you're a fan of uh, Lost Crap and their, um, you know, what they can provide. But anyway, let's get on to the actual topic of the podcast, which is rugby, because this weekend we had, you know, both 15s rugby and 7s rugby. So we're going to start off with the uh, 15s game uh, taking place at the Wanderers Ground in Halifax. It was Canada versus Wales in Canada's final warm-up game before the Rugby World Cup in October. And, you know, going into this game, I pointed out that Wales have uh, improved uh, since Canada last played them, you know, they've got more players that are professional now. I think it's now up to 29 full-time professional players for Wales. So, you know, we don't know what uh, um, could have happened. You know, maybe it would have been a tougher matchup. Um, but that was before the game. Because then the <laughs> game actually happened. And to be fair... The- yeah, I did watch again. And uh, Wales, uh, you know, uh, to their credit, did start pretty strong. Were the first team to get points on the board. Then Canada remembered that they were Canada and wanted to show what they got. So we had um, total of five tries scored by Canada: two by Faris, one by Forteza, one by Grant, and one by Pelletier. And we had two conversions by Miller, one by De Goody, to get the final score of Canada 31, Wales 3. So after all my hype of saying that, oh, Wales are professional now, they can put up a <laughs> challenge, they actually had a bigger score difference than the last time they played them. So what do I know? Um, Who do you cheer for during these games? Uh, rugby. Because either way, I win. So That's, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, were you able to catch any of this game, uh, Derek? Oh yeah, no, uh, I thought it was a great game. Um, it was uh, to be honest, it's, um, I mean, we took a little podcast break, so it's probably the uh, the first uh, full eighty minute game I've watched in like a month, um, which was a uh, which is good a uh, good introduction back to it. Um, like you said, I think um, like Wales got off to a better start. Um, so 
you know, maybe maybe you had like that the whale's hat on early, and then you had to take it off after 15 minutes. Put the switch it to the Canada one. Not really sure. I, how you I, I, I just wore a red hat and this wore red. You know, yeah, wore red. yeah. Just cover, kept cover it all easier the for everyone. So that means you were not cheering for the black and green team. Then. Well, you know that badge is red. So badge, yeah, yeah, but they're black and green. Um, mm. but uh, yeah. So I like you kind of said, Wales got off to a better, uh, bit of a better start. Uh, Jasmine Joyce, um, kind of came out, uh, came out the gates on fire a little bit. Um, and then unfortunately, I kind of, I guess as the game went on, she seemed to be the only Welsh player that was really making a super big impact. Um, so Canada kind of, as you mentioned, sort of took over. Um, a- after that, the set piece was dominant. Um, both scrum lineouts were working really well, and obviously they were scoring tries as a result of, as a result of them. Uh, Maddie Grant, um, just obviously, uh, she got player of the match, um, from the broadcast, and I feel like that was a pretty easy decision for them. Yeah. Um, she was obviously all over the pitch, scoring tries, um, setting up other tries, um, you know, some great defensive plays as well. Um, so, I mean, it's probably one of the best games I've seen her play. So thought that was great. And then obviously, you know, just, I'll, there's just a lot of like really good things that uh, I thought Canada was doing once they kind of, I mean, like you said, slow start. So obviously you want to, you know, don't want to let that happen too much. Cause against, against, you know, England or New Zealand or something that could come mm-hmm. back and bite yeah. you. Um, but like once, once everybody kind of settled down or whatever, it was like, it was a pretty thorough and dominant performance, which, you know, considering, I mean, like this is their last game before the world cup right like their next game is um the next game that they're playing is against italy in the world cup right and Italy, as you mentioned they beat them already um so i mean we're only like we're like a what five weeks away from the start of the world cup now yeah we're just oh yeah i think it's like we're just over a month yeah so it's like october 9th is canada's first game against Mm -hmm. italy and, you know, so, I mean, if that's the last game before going over, like, I mean, before, you know, heading overseas and like, you know, that's a solid, solid team performance, um, you know, just across the board. It was, uh, you know, like, it's kind of exactly what you would want to see happen, especially if you, you know, you're a higher seated team playing a lower seated team um, is, yeah, like you dominate at the set piece and, you know, defensively, like three points on the board. Joyce uh, was really the only Welsh player that seemed to have, be a super big threat um, offensively attacking. And then, you know, and then, um, you know, any other opportunities that they got that ended up near the near uh, Canada's line were up shut down pretty promptly and Canada was able to clear uh, clear their line. So, I mean, overall, uh, definitely, definitely can't complain, man. If that's what the squad's going to be looking like going into the World Cup, it's uh, you know, probably probably a pretty good sign. And then, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, I, I I'm pretty happy about that being the last game before the World Cup. So, I mean, I wish they kind of had another one in like the month before it, but I guess it is what it is. It is, yeah. I've got to mention the uh, in the build up to the. A second try of the game, which was by Forteza. Um, something of that. There was a line out basically on halfway. And like the maul that came from that was an absolute mm. monster, just like yeah. unstoppable up until um in the 22, basically a few meters out, and that gave Forteza, you know, enough time to just pick up and power over to get like the second try, like four minutes after the first. And I think that was when. Wales fully understood that uh, 
you know, they may have, they were a bit outmatched in this game. But um, congratulations to Canada's women on um, winning both of their warm-up games. And as we said, uh, Canada's Rugby World Cup campaign begins in New Zealand on October 9th against Italy. Now, we move from the Atlantic coast to the Pacific coast. And we go from the women's 15s to the men's 7s because it was the final leg of the World 7 Series in LA, you know, delayed, obviously, because of um, COVID. Um, and, you know, from a dominant win from uh, Canadian women, it was uh, pretty much the opposite for the men's sevens team, unfortunately. They were, they unfortunately lost every game that they played. Then again, they did have a very tough group of uh, games. They are facing New Zealand, South Africa and the host USA. Mm. Uh, any, yeah. any good? Oh, well, any good? yeah, I've heard. Well, then again, the USA beat uh, South Africa in the pool stages, so I'm not entirely sure. Then again, Wales beat uh, South Africa during the seven. So, you know, I, th- I think it's time for those uh, smaller nations to, uh, you know, move aside and let some of these uh, unknown countries like Wales and the USA take over and give them the opportunities. Um so the final result was that New Zealand won the LA Sevens. However, Australia, by finishing third, won the World Series for the first time. So congratulations to them. And as that concludes the um, you know altered uh, World Series, because um, as we know, the uh, LA Sevens were meant to take place much earlier this year. Um, we now have a two-week uh, wait until we head down to Cape Town in South Africa, where the Rugby World Cup Sevens will take place from the 9th to the 11th of September. Now, um, Canada have qualified for this. They qualified with the um, Rugby America's North Tournament earlier this year. Um, But yeah, you know, it's a different format than the World Series. It's basically winner stays on. It's an elimination format. Um, Canada will have a preliminary game to determine their ranking um, for the uh, men's tournament. Uh, For the women's tournament, it's straight into the round of 16. So, you know, much easier. There's only 16 teams for um, the women's game. There are a total of 24 for the men's. So Canada will face Zimbabwe on the 9th of September to determine their uh, ranking match when it comes to the round of 16. And from there, they... And if they win that game, and hopefully they should, because Canada is uh, 10th and Zimbabwe is 23rd, they will then have the delight of facing... Let me just check. France. And from there, it'll basically... Yeah, not... You know, it could be worse. I mean, they've got South Africa, England and New Zealand and Argentina and Fiji as automatic uh, places. Uh, and to be honest, uh, you know, France is uh, ranked seventh in because they qualified automatically from the 2018 uh, 7s World Cup. So, you know, if they get two victories, they will then be able to qualify automatically um, for the next Rugby 7s World Cup in 2026. Or not. They may change the format of qualifying. I have no idea. I'm not a soothsayer. Um, but we shall see. But they, So their competition runs from the 9th to the 11th and uh, all held at Cape Town Stadium. Um, yeah, Derek, anything you uh, want to add for the sevens? No, not... I don't know. Not not really, I guess. It's... Uh, 
you know, obviously, you know, it'd be nice to see Canada do well. Um, I, I don't know for some for some reason I feel like there's there's a lot less hype for this tournament mm. than perhaps normal. I don't know. Like it's um, it it like I don't know. Like I guess like the World Cup sevens. I do they do enough to differentiate it from just any other stop on the tour? Like it just especially I, considering the tour just ended and like we're crowning yeah. we're crowning a champion last week. Um, congrats to Australia. Um, Billy Meeks getting some MLR representation on that squad too. Um, but like, I, I like, I don't know. I guess like this, I don't know. I guess like, I'm going to watch it. Like, I think it'll, it'll be fun. It'll definitely be cool. Um, I hope, I think like, see, the thing is, is it's like with this tournament, like how many, like, I don't know if I just, I don't like the format. Yeah. It's not ideal really. I'd say it's okay. So, you obviously have all the teams that lose go in to like play other games and stuff, but it's like how many, like, like, I guess meaningless games. Mm, Yeah. During this, like, you know what I mean? Like, so the pre round of 16 goes into the bowl and there's 10 games in the bowl, the bowl competition, including games for the teams that lose in the first round of the bowl competition. Like for this match 42, the teams that have lost three games in it, like, you know what I mean? Like match 42, which is just like the winner of the losing side of the bowl. Like why, why do we need to play that game in the world cup? Yeah. It's... You know, like, like I get like during the rest of like the seven series and stuff where you need to like determine points and you need to determine table standing for like the entire year and stuff. Yeah. But it's like for this, like, what do you, what do we need to play that game for? Like yeah. would it not be more it's like the it's almost more interesting to just do the normal format. Yeah, right? and but then and just especially the as well when when you look at something like the Olympics, for example, that has um you know, I think it was like sixteen teams for the men and twelve for the women's. I'm probably yeah. getting that wrong. But then you have it as a basically like a week long competition. So you have the uh men's competition first. Yeah. And then once that concludes, you have the women's competition and it's spaced out uh, more evenly. And, you know, it allows a break between uh, pool games so that you can, you know, format yeah. the tournament easier. And I imagine like with 24 teams, you can easily break that into like six pools of four. And then it's basically a case of if you top, if you get top of the pool, you go through to yeah uh, like the next the- round and then it's a comp and then it's more of a competition of you can't like take your foot off the gas you have to keep yeah, scoring just- tries and stuff like that and then you, you know this is i'm just spitballing like a different foot i'm like having more teams yeah. for the world cup sure that makes sense because you want to have as like many teams involved as possible be- and because this is a world rugby sanctioned event having more teams basically means having more viewers and more ticket sales and yeah. more money um and unlike the um olympics where it can be capped depending on uh whatever olympic governing body decides you know we'll only have um three pools of four teams or uh four pools of four teams and that's as many as we're going to allow because we have to condense it to this amount i'm i'm saying like if it's a world cup make it longer make it more exciting make yeah. it uh 
more interesting you know make it like the bigger version of a leg of the world series and you know make it a week-long party wherever it's held yeah and... maybe like i think maybe that's the thing like maybe like yeah maybe more teams more more teams and more games that feel like they matter i mean yeah you kind of look at the if you go to the the rugby world cup sevens like website they have the format tab right yeah. and it's like if you really go through that like you kind of have like a pre-qualification round, I guess is how they're wording it. The pre-round of 16. So it's yeah. kind of like, I guess that's kind of like a, whatever the play in games to for like, you know, the baseball, um, the MLB yeah. playoffs, the world, for, they have like the play in game for like the last team, I guess it's kind of basically the same idea. Yeah. So I say get, if, like, you, if you like the, and if you change to like the NFL is like, wild, so wild card, the, wild card. yeah, you have like the, but, those who have qualified automatically get a buy. Yeah. to the round of 16 exactly. and then everyone else has to go through the hard okay, way right so like that's the thing though so say like so the, you get to the round of 16 that's really 16 8 4 2 right like yeah that's four rounds the games that matter you could probably play them all in one day yeah like if you just give the teams enough i guess like a little bit of enough time like because that, that's the thing right like if you if okay so say like a, one of these round of 16 teams right yeah wins okay let's pick one let's pick uh let's pick let's pick the usa let's be uh yeah. let's be help let's uh be hopeful for our neighbors south of the border here yeah like if the usa yeah, wins that. this tournament yeah what do they play four games uh one two three yeah four yeah, games they play four games right mm-hmm. and it's like like you play let like you play less games on a normal you that that's less games than like a normal like if you were to win a normal stop on the tour, yeah. Like you have to you like you know what I mean you have to win if you're one of the pre round of sixteen teams and you were to win. So let's be hopeful for our friends north of the border, i.e. us. So if Canada is going to win this, they have to win five games. So this is my point. So if you get to the so obviously you get to the cup final, but then there's also like the bronze final if you lose the semifinal. Mm-hmm. If you lose the quarterfinal, you then go for fifth place where there's no trophy. Oh, like yeah, no. But if you were to lo- but if, if you were to lose the yeah. round of sixteen, so let's say that's your first game or even your second game. So you've won one game, then you lose a game, and then you win a couple more games, and then you get the challenge trophy for finishing ninth. So fifth place gets nothing. <laughs> And it's ninth place gets a trophy. Well, that, I, I th- so this is how I would like because at the moment it seems to be that um, champ the cup quarter finalists automatically qualify for yeah. the next um, World Cup, which would include the fifth place final and the seventh place final. The cup quarter finalists automatically qualify for the next World Cup. So let's make it interesting. Let's have whoever wins the uh, challenge trophy and the bowl, those nations also automatically qualify for the next World Cup. So then there's something to go towards. There's a reason to go to these games, a reason to watch these games as well. And then you can give teams four years to say, okay, you've qualified. You don't have to go through all these regional comp- have a effect on you qualifying invest in rugby sevens you know invest in it and then you have these developing nations come through and you know i'm not saying they're going to automatically get to like the cup quarterfinals at the next world cup sevens but you know they're 
a bit of a challenge. Maybe even they could end up being a invitational guest on one of the uh, stops of the World Series tour. Yeah. yeah. Just make it just give us a reason to watch these games. I was going to say yeah, I think I think that's the biggest the biggest issue like because at least like in the normal like series top like tour like you have the pool stage which every game in the pool stage kind of matters. Um mm-hmm. but like for this it's like you know what I mean like just looking at like the format and how it's already set up it's like, man, like I'm gonna have a real hard time caring about like match nineteen, which is the two yeah. teams t- between two teams that lost in the pre sixteen round of sixteen. Yeah, like I'm not like it's like what incent like you know what I mean like because I said like there's no standings or tables right. It's like the 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 intrigue of this tournament is the teams that win and keep moving on to becoming closer and closer to being the World Cup champion. Right? Yeah. But there's so many games being played between the teams that lose. That yeah. It's like it feels like there's it feels like just on the schedule. It's like there's almost like there's more less interesting games than interesting games just based on like following the story of the teams that are going to that the team that's eventually going to end up winning the World Cup. Yeah. So it's like so, I, I agree yeah. with you. It's like what do you do with those other games or like like, what do you do with those other games? Or, like, how do you get to make those more interesting? Or, like, I don't know, play for something. Play for yeah. money? <laughs> like, be like, yeah. yeah, we'll give you we'll give your clubs donations or something. Yeah. Like, World Rugby funding. Like, I don't, if you win this game or something. Like, like I, that's the thing. It's yeah. like, I'm looking at the format for this. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of, like, what dims the hype. Because I think, like, I mean... Like I don't know. It seems like there's not a whole lot of hype being built up for this tournament. Yeah, that's, yeah regularly, that's anyways. Well. But it's also like looking at the format. I'm like, there's a lot of games that just are between teams that lose and have no more, no further impact on the tournament. That like, I'm not sure how you get people to watch those more. You have to have something for them to be playing for, but. So the first game of the preliminary round is Ireland versus Portugal. Ireland is ranked ninth. Portugal is ranked 24th. What do you think the result of that game is going to be? Now, I I love an upset as much as the next guy. But when you have games there, it's highest versus lowest. Then it's not interesting. But if you were to have, say, Ireland versus the high... So between 9 and 24 is split for the preliminary round, so it's then highest versus lowest. But if you were to take that and say Ireland would play 17th, which would be Ireland-Chile, I think that would be a much closer game, a more interesting result. But if you did that, then you're going to have one of those lower-ranked teams moving on automatically and then getting wiped by New Zealand. True, but then again, I've seen like it's Wales versus South Korea, and I think that's match six. And who are they playing? So match six's winner is playing uh, Fiji. Yeah, defending cool. defending Olympic world. champions. <laughs> yeah. So, so then, the best teams. Then my question is like, you're going to get killed anyway. If, and, yeah. And, yeah. If any, if the if the team's going to get killed anyway, then does it matter which one goes through, or do you just have a little bit of fun, have a little bit more competition, and right. My issue isn't with the preliminary round or like the seeding or anything, because obviously 
I mean, that's just a general sports thing. The higher seeded teams are going to play the lowest seeded teams. That's yeah. that's the benefit of being a higher seeded team, right? Yeah. In every single um, tournament bracket kind of format, that's your advantage of being a higher seeded team is you get to play lower seeded teams, mm-hmm. um, right? So it's like that's kind of fine, and it's like. The thing is, though, with that is it's like I am much more interested. You're saying I'm talking about the close game thing, right? So it's like teams are going to lose, right? So it's like the bowl competition is probably going to have the close games that you're talking about. Yeah. Right. It's just that no one's going to care because they don't have an impact on the tournament as a whole. Like unless you're a fan of that country. Because you're, yeah. you're just those games are going to be close. I'm not saying yeah. those games are going to be bad, but when they have no impact on who's going to win the World Cup, and there's yeah. no impact on the greater standings for like a year long season, those games between the losing teams, although they might be close and they might be entertaining, just kind of feel like I don't know. I guess it's uh, you know. They just kind of feel like that, like the extra, like the the comedian that you don't really care about that's doing, like that's opening for like the band that you actually paid to come see. Yeah. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, it might, you might laugh, you might enjoy yourself. It might be a good time, but ultimately it's like, you're, you're just waiting for the band that you want yeah. to come see, right? Well, yeah, uh, you do have a point. And, yeah, yeah, but we'll be watching the Rugby World Cup 7s when they happen in the uh, second full weekend of September. That'll be from the 9th yeah. to the 11th. Now, a short view back to the past, because uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was the 2022 MLR Collegiate Draft. Ooh. and um, yeah, Let's get caught up on all our MLR news now. Yeah. We missed so. All. Let's go through every single person that got drafted. <laughs> Actually, let's let's reduce it down. Let's focus on the Toronto's draftees and or should we just say the Canadian draftees? Yeah, I was just saying that matter. Yeah, well, eight, an increase from uh five yeah. from last year. So, you know, always good to see. Um so we'll start off with the arrows uh picks. So in the first round, they picked Owen Rattan, uh, who was a flanker from UBC mm-hmm. and the Arrows had traded their second round pick, and so basically they had two picks in the third round. Uh, the first one was Gabe Casey, uh, who plays fly half or fullback from UVic, as well as Denver Fat, a hooker, um, also from UVic as well. But uh, the first Canadian to be drafted across MLR was uh, Cali Martinez, a prop from UBC, and he's been drafted to um, Old Glory DC. Uh, Seth Purdy, a center from Cal, has been drafted to ATL. Uh, Ethan Hager, a winger from UVic, has been drafted to Dallas. Sam Weggert, a center from Trinity Western, has been drafted to Seattle. And Jack Shaw, a center slash wing from Bishops, has been drafted to Rugby ATL. So ATL picking up two Canadians, obviously more Canadians the better. DC um, with Cali Martinez, the um, first Canadian to be drafted, uh, third pick overall of 2022. And then um, Hager and Weggers as well. So a big um, showing from UVic, uh, who had the most with three. Uh, UBC had two. And, you know, Trinity Weston and Bishops and Cal each uh, won a piece. Uh, Derek, uh, what are your thoughts? on the Canadians drafted. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, UVic, UBC are kind of the per- perennial two best schools in the country. So, I mean, 
not really a surprise to see that they're dominating the MLR drafts, um, at least as far as the Canadian content goes. Um, overall, like, you know, overall, super cool to um, see five, uh, three Canadians get selected in the top five. And then I guess um, with Hagar going to Dallas after, um, Hagar going to Dallas after this, so that's four Canadians total in the top 10 um, of the draft. So that's obviously great to see. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, I mean, um, Rutten is obviously, no, he's a flanker. Um, so that's just adding, I, I guess it, it's tough. You know, see, here's the thing. It's kind of funny. Cause I know you have the list of all the arrows that have been re-signed below it after, right. Which is, uh, Malcolm Richardson, O'Neill Shepard. And then they signed Nick Ben, um, out of, uh, Australia, but it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, um, I'm my initial thought on like looking at like um Rutten getting drafted and I'm like I know he's he's a phenomenal player and stuff but I was also like ooh is that like that's interesting that the arrows are picking a guy at like their deepest position with their um the fifth overall um the fifth overall pick um right and then uh but then I'm also kind of looking at the actual roster I'm like it's uh, one of the interesting things with looking at the uh the MLR draft is it's like the, who knows what the actual roster looks like for next year? Yeah. Um, so my initial true. reaction is like, oh, that's interesting. Um, that they're picking a player at their deepest position, but then I'm also like, well, who knows how, what that position looks like for next year? Um, because as of right now, James O'Neill is the only official, um, you know, uh, back row player signed. So, um, so obviously, um, I'm totally fine with that pick now. Um, after that, um. Uh, Gabe Casey, um, we need fly halves. So yeah, that's a good, yeah, that's massive. a good, doesn't it? Yeah. The fly half is, um, I mean, that's part of it right now. Like we need to be developing fly halves and stuff. And then obviously, you know, you probably can't go wrong. Um, Denver fat, you can't go wrong picking front row players in the draft either. Mm. Um, that's kind of evidence too. Um, you know, DC picked up Cali Martinez who's a prop, um, from UBC. Um, so the, like it's, all that's you know so it's it's great to see i mean i've i've said it before on this podcast where it's like man i do not watch enough collegiate rugby to really speak intelligently on um any of these picks other than you know it's uh like i'm s- super excited that there's you know the number of canadians being drafted is going up um i do kind of wonder like i don't know like i kind of wonder if like the arrows position in the draft um like force i guess you know, if the, uh, the American teams are kind of, if they want a Canadian, looking at the way the draft kind of shaped up, I'm kind of like, I wonder if the American teams, if they want a Canadian, are like super conscious of like where the arrows pick in the draft yeah. or whatever. Because it's like you have obviously um, Rutten goes fifth. So like right before him, though, you have Martinez and Purdy go three, four. Yeah. So you have two Canadians that go bef- that go before the arrows pick, yeah. right? And then yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, right. And then yeah. and then you have Hager who goes to Dallas right after the arrows. But then no, like you go through like a full almost round and a half before the arrows next pick, and the only like and then like the next two Canadians that get selected, I believe, um, if I got like, um, like. Wegart was Seattle's last pick before Toronto again, and I think Shaw was after. Um, but 
So, uh, but shot to Atlanta, I think was after. Um, but that's just like, I don't know. Like, I kind of wonder, it's like, you know, like if the arrows pick, don't pick five, like are Canadians flying off the board in the top five or like, I, like, I, like, and I mean, I'm just kind of like completely speculating on this, but I do wonder how much knowing that the arrows have in the two drafts that they've been a part of have really stuck to the, um, their philosophy of drafting that homegrown Canadian talent. And I wonder if like, you know, part of the reason that, you know, a lot of Canadians went early in the draft is because like, you know, the arrows had those early picks. You kind of even look at last year's draft where, um, what did we say? There was five Canadians drafted last year. Yeah. Right. Um, the arrows drafted three of them. Um, yeah. LA took James O'Neill before the arrows third pick, which was, uh, Sam, Sam Mace was Sam. Yeah. Mace? yeah. Sam Mace was their third pick. Right. So the arrows, um, so, James O'Neill went before the arrows could pick and then the arrows traded for him. Yeah. So like, right. And then uh, Emerson Pryor went after. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. So well, it's like, you, you make, you make a good point. Cause when we had, um, when we had James on the podcast, he was talking about uh, um, being traded as well. We've also had Mike Smith tell us that of like the difficulties of securing a visa to play for these teams. So it may be a case that, you know, these other teams are doing like some 4D chess and saying that, yeah. oh, we know that uh, the hours may need a uh, prop. So, oh, so maybe, maybe. So, yeah. So, and we know that uh, obviously they want to pick Canadians. So, if we get the rights to Cali Martinez, then we can. Oh, then you can, can get something from uh, the arrows. Do a trade. Yeah, exactly. Whoa. That's what that's that may be like some, you know, like long term yeah. plan uh, of like, oh, but, you know, as in, obviously, I'm I think... hoping that. Uh, all these guys get to play in the MLR next year. Yeah. And uh... I, I think ultimately, like, that's kind of the interesting thing too, right? Because what is, this is the, uh, the third draft, right? That we've gotten it. And it's like, you know, you got some GMs have, you know, changed teams or, you know, uh, you know, teams have gotten new general managers and stuff. And it's like, I think the draft is still so new that I don't think, like, we're still trying to figure out how teams are going to go about the draft and stuff. Like, I saw, like, a lot of, um, you know, like, online, it looked like there was a lot of talk about how Dallas allocated their five picks, picking a lot of backs instead of um, forwards in their draft, Um, which is, like, I think it's super interesting. I don't know if it's good or bad, but Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's interesting to see, like, how teams are starting to, like, go about the draft and where that that strategy kind of um starts to kind of come in right um it'll be interesting to see and i mean like one of the things that i think you can kind of look for right now too like especially from like the perspective of the arrows you know last year um like none of the players at the arrows draft played in the game yeah right? i know uh martin feek was injured for um basically the entire year so that's obviously a different um situation um mason warden didn't play and then james o'neill obviously played quite a bit but that also wasn't a player that the arrows drafted they had yeah that's true move to make that happen right so um a player that's drafted by the arrows still hasn't played a game for the arrows yet so um be interesting to kind of see if um obviously rutten case here fat can kind of change that um uh, you know going forward because it's like it'll be interesting to kind of see how like you know what once we get enough data on this maybe like when the league is you know 
10 years old or yeah. something. We've had like seven or eight drafts. Start figuring out how well teams have actually done at drafting players and stuff. Yeah. Right now, like I said, one, I don't know enough about collegiate rugby on either side of the border to judge any of these picks. Mm. And two, it's we don't really have enough data to go off of how well some of these guys turned out. I mean, some of them are obvious, like Andrew Guerrera last year. Obviously, that's a great pick. Um, right. Mopetti this year, obviously a great pick. But you have some of the guys that obviously stand out. But um, it'll be interesting to see how, like, some of the guys that, you know, took like maybe an extra year to make an impact pan out and see how to kind of yeah. see how well teams are really doing at the draft. It'll be interesting to look back on. Yeah. Well, let's go from uh, new players to uh, familiar faces. As you mentioned, um, the Arrows have been busy at work signing and re-signing players. Uh, the mm-hmm. first name to come out was Sam Malcolm. We'll be back for more next year. Um and the first official signing at the time of recording, which is um, August 29th. So, of course, uh, between now and when the podcast gets released, there'll have been like 10 new signings announced for the hours. Um, but Nick Ben from Manly in Australia, he is a um, has a Canadian passport and will be uh, registered as a domestic player and intend, has made his intention known that he wants to play for Canada. Uh, Mitch Richardson is back, as is James O'Neill and Mike Shepard as well. So, you know, we've got a bit of experience. Um, obviously, Mitch Richardson had a fantastic season last year. James O'Neill, of course, first season in mm-hmm. MLR coming over. And Mike Sign, Shepard signed the day after we recorded that interview. Yeah, didn't tell us that in the uh, interview, <laughs> did you? But um, uh, Mike as well has been with the team since its inception, been with mm-hmm. them when they were the Ontario Arrows, you know, you know that has that uh, legacy behind him and obviously was a captain in 2022. Yeah. Um, but we also, like an airport, we've announced our arrivals and now we have to announce our departures. And the first one is the big name of Andrew Quatrin, who was originally traded to Utah for a uh, foreign player slot, now been traded to New England for salary cap considerations. So going from uh, the east to the west, uh, spent a week there, and then back over to the east with New England. And, you know, New England have uh, you know, lot lots, of of, lots of Canadians there, the Mounties, as uh, we like to call them, uh, Foster DeWitt, Josh Larson, Regan O'Gorman, Ethan Fryer, Isaac Olson, uh, Jack Reeves, who... Um, is Canadian eligible, but you know, he's we'll we'll, we'll take that. He's one of us. They uh, um, they traded for Connor Keys too. That as well. So yeah, Connor Keys is in the mix as well. So you know, m- maybe they should just change it from New England Free Jacks to New England. Yeah, Mountain they're uh, get, getting all the Canadian locks. Yeah, um, you know, a bit of a Canadian front row going. Yeah, they're like we can. Uh, yeah, they're uh, they're they're just a couple back row players away from. Uh, we can ro- we can start rolling an all Canadian pack in New England soon. Yeah, they're right. they're on their way. They're well on their way there. Right. Yeah. Um, two other departures that have been making their way across the Atlantic to England in the uh, National League uh, is Will-, Will Kelly is the first of them. He has signed with Chinor and he has been um, taking part in some of their preseason games. Um. And, you know, they've been scoring conversions, so already getting on, already making an impact. And Sam Mace has announced that he has signed with lead tights. So best of luck to all you guys. Hopefully we can uh, see you back over in the Atlant- uh, this side of the Atlantic and MLR colors at some point. But, you know, wish you all the best and good luck to you. Uh, so 
Now we're just going over some competitions that have happened recently, and the big one of them is the delayed uh, Bingham Cup, which was in, meant to take place in 2020, was delayed to um, 2022. Um, so for those that don't know, uh, the Bingham Cup is the World Cup feature of the International Gay Rugby Association. It's the largest, and um, this one in 2022 was the largest and most inclusive Bingham Cup to date. There are lots of talks of inclusion in the sport, especially trans inclusion. I was fortunate enough to be able to um, get a ticket to listen to some of the speakers um, speaking about um, resisting homophobia and transphobia in sport, especially with the recent announcements by uh, the RFU and the Irish Rugby Union of that are essentially just excluding a handful of players from the game that they love. And, you know, it was really challenging to hear some of these players talking about how much they love this sport. And now they have to consider not only the politics of their sports governing body, but also the politics of their nation. And I think one that struck a chord with me really well is that one trans player was saying that her interactions with other players usually comes down to what is your exit plan? What is your plan that when the law changes and it makes your existence a crime or an offence, where are you going to go? And she was a American-Canadian player and she's already um, taken sight of what is going on in the United States at the moment, especially in um, some more conservative areas of the country. And she's saying that obviously she's grateful that she can just go to Canada, but that is an option for a lot of players. And, you know, it's, you know, it's just basically spiteful at this point. And when you have someone like the RFU that just say that trans players cannot play at a professional level, even though they had a system in place that allowed um, the monitoring and, um, progress of how these players impact can have on the sport because it seems to have just been made out of fear or ignorance and you know fully grateful for these um athletes and contributors to the sport we love coming out and saying um you know trans people weren't included in this discussion even f women rugby players uh, cisgendered women weren't included in this discussion this was just been made by a small group of people to appease another small group of people and it's just been done without expense of um like expense wasn't a thing when it was just these um small considerations like as i said for the rfu it was only six uh trans players uh for the irish rugby union it was only two so yeah it's something that needed to be said i'm grateful to have heard it and are these uh talks available anywhere for anybody that missed them or... i believe they may be on the um bingham cup youtube page because i believe they were hmm. recorded and um if you have the agents, i was gonna say where did you where did you watch them so this was so i i was um and i invited onto a zoom link and was able to hmm. watch them then they were going on throughout the day um but yeah because for example um in toronto uh, there are the uh, Rainbow Griffins. They are one of the clubs that are included in the Bingham Cup as well, and as well as Muddy York RFC. And you know, it's if it's a sport that says um, rugby is for all, 
then you have to mean all. So I'm grateful for these talks and I'm grateful that the cup was actually held in Canada, in Ottawa. Um, uh, we had the Nathan Rhombus give a video and, you know, um, his first since he's been become CEO of Rugby Canada. So I think that was a great uh, point to make as well. Um, and we also had, uh, so similar to uh, the Rugby Sevens World Cup, there were multiple different uh, trophies available for the teams that were competing. So the Bingham Bowl uh, was won by the Seattle Quake. The Bingham Plate was won by the Dublin Emerald Warriors. The new Amanda Cup, which is exclusive for uh, women's uh, rugby teams, was won by the Ottawa Wolves. And in a shock turn of events, Australia was not present for the first time in a Bingham Cup final. And therefore, the Bingham Cup for 2022 was won by the Kings Cross Steelers. So congratulations to all the teams involved and thank you to all the teams that took part. And if you're wondering when the next Bingham Cup will be, it's not like the standard World Cup, which is every four years, it is every two years. And obviously, COVID had a bit of an issue with uh, mm -hmm. it being in 2020. Um, but the Bingham Cup will next take place in 2024. The location is to be determined, but follow the Bingham Cup and IGR on social media, and I'm sure you'll be able to find out uh, where and when that will be held. And finally, it yeah, see, we've been talking about um, men, uh, women's 15s, men's sevens, uh, the MLR draft, the Bingham Cup, and we still haven't finished because we're going to wrap up with the under 20s Canadian series. Um, so, as we know, the World Rugby Under-20s Championship has been cancelled again, and hopefully we'll be back in 2023. But uh, Canada decided to host a competition at the University of Guelph with uh, Zimbabwe, Chile, and Uruguay, all their under-20s teams. Um, their first game against Zimbabwe um, was, unfortunately, a loss, which uh, 32-24. to then the second game was against Chile, and that was a very narrow victory, 25-24. to 24. But hey, if Canada knows one thing about playing Chile, it's uh, winning by one point on Canadian soil. And uh, the final game was a loss to Uruguay, 28-45. So the final ranking places were Uruguay came first, Zimbabwe second, Canada third, and Chile fourth. And, you know, obviously not to the same level, as the under-20s championship or the under-20s trophy, but considering there hasn't been any under-20s action in the Americas since 2019, you know, it's something. It's something. No no complaints from me. And, uh, yeah. yeah, and if you are looking to watch any rugby this weekend, you can watch it on the rugby championship, which will be on tsn.ca and the TSN app. Uh, unfortunately, all the other competitions we mentioned are all uh, a few weeks ahead. So you've uh, only got the rugby championship. And if you're if you're up at three fifteen in the morning, uh, I'm sure you can watch the uh, Argentina beat New Zealand for the second time in as many weeks. We shall see. But that is where we're going to conclude this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to listen to more of them, you can do so on Anchor FM, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And if you like watching our dazzling faces, you can do so on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is at Rouge Rugby. In fact, you can find us across all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Again, at Rouge Rugby. Derek, where can the fine people of the internet find you? 
uh, I'm at Brissette the Jet across all social media platforms, and I promise to actually return to using them um, at this point in time. You can find me across social media platforms, mainly Twitter and Instagram, at Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. Well, Derek, I think we finally caught up with all the rugby over the uh, past few weeks that we've been away from. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you join me, and thank you all for joining us for another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. We hope you can join us again next time. <laughs>